Welcome back. You're listening to This Week. Israel's government is under increasing pressure to do more to secure the release of the remaining hostages held by Hamas and other militant groups in Gaza. It comes a day after three Israeli hostages were mistakenly killed by Israeli soldiers inside Gaza. France today joined Germany and the UK in calling for a sustainable ceasefire, warning that too many civilians have been killed. Relatives of those still held captive in Gaza staged a rally in Tel Aviv last night, calling for a greater effort to get their loved ones home. Danielle Aloni, who along with her daughter were kept hostage until their release last month, said that there's no time to lose. My daughter was there. Every day that passes is a danger to their lives. I was there. My daughter was there. Do not abandon the hostages. We must act now. A deal is required today. Bring them home now! That was Danielle Aloni, who was released from captivity in Gaza last month, speaking at a protest last night in Tel Aviv. Dan Williams is a senior correspondent for Reuters in Israel. He's been telling me more details about what's known about the shooting dead of three Israeli hostages by the IDF in Gaza. According to the Israeli military, at around midday on Friday, um, its troops converged on a building when they spotted uh, three men emerging. Um, The men had taken off their shirts, apparently to show that they weren't carrying weapons. One of them was carrying a white flag or an improvised white flag. And apparently at one point, one of them even shouted out in Hebrew. Nonetheless, um, the troops shot at them and killed all three. And um, uh, apparently the initial indication is that the troops thought that these were Palestinian militants, uh, perhaps a ruse designed to draw the troops into a building, into an ambush. A number of troops have, have been killed uh, within buildings um, in ambushes, explosions and, and, and shooting attacks. Um, but the military says they acted in contravention of the military's um, open fire regulations. Uh, the Israeli defense minister, the chief of the military, have taken responsibility for the incident. It's certainly been one that has traumatized a country already. Uh, in deep crisis over the hostage crisis. Mm. And aside from apologising, has the IDF taken any action against the soldiers involved? I'm not aware of any, and uh, what they've described uh, the findings as, they've said the findings are uh, part of an initial investigation. Keep in mind there's an ongoing war. Presumably the troops involved are in the middle of fighting. So right now there's been no word of uh, disciplinary action, such like I wouldn't be surprised if the troops, at least the troops directly involved in the shooting, perhaps the entire unit, are rotated out uh, for counselling, for further questioning, perhaps even for meeting with the families of the dead hostages. But um, that has yet to transpire. And for the families then of the remaining hostages, how did they greet this news? And indeed, how has the news been been greeted um, by, by the wider Israeli population? That's an excellent question. As I think you and your audience can anticipate, this has galvanized and shocked an already traumatized community of relatives and loved ones of of the remaining hostages. 129 remain in captivity in Gaza. Around 20 of them, according to Israel, have died in captivity. Their bodies yet to be recovered. Uh, This is a major issue. There was a protest of thousands of people in Tel Aviv yesterday 
basically saying, look, we need an alternative to military force because military force is not bringing back our loved ones, at least not alive. This comes in conjunction with emerging incredible reports that another Gaza truce may be in the works. You'll remember that in late November, Qatar and Egypt mediated a week-long truce between Israel and Hamas, the governing um, uh, Islamist movement in Gaza that triggered this war with its attack on Israel on October 7th. Under that week-long truce, Israel recovered over 100 hostages. So there's talk of potentially a new truce such as that, which I imagine would come as a welcome relief to those relatives who, as a result of a truce, a result of limited diplomatic action, see their loved ones back home and no longer have to worry about their loved ones dying in the course of the war within Gaza. Do you get a sense, uh, Dan, that um, the, the shooting of these hostages will, will, will materially change the approach of, of the Israeli government and, and the IDF to the war in Gaza? I, I think what it will do is perhaps energise a bit more the uh, talks such as they are on a potential second truce. I do not believe this will lead to a slowdown of the offensive in Gaza or a, uh, a radical review of tactics, simply because Israel has a ticking clock. Um, there is mounting pressure um, internationally, if not domestically, on Israel to get the job done, as it would describe it. It set up war aims, which it's undeterred from completing. They are, one, the retrieval of hostages, and two, the destruction of Hamas. But that requires thorough, thorough house-to-house um, uh, uh, -house fighting, as far as Israel is concerned. And I don't think at this point they'll be shifting gears despite an incident that obviously everyone on the Israeli side deeply regrets. I can't see them doing a comprehensive review of tactics. Um, I, would, I would, wouldn't be at all surprised if the very soldiers involved in the shooting will find themselves back in battle very quickly because Israel has thrown major military assets into what it considers is a war for its very existence. That was Dan Williams, a senior correspondent for Reuters, speaking to me from Israel. Now, as Israel continues uh, its war against Hamas in Gaza, the Israeli government said aid trucks have begun to arrive in Gaza through the Karam Shalom crossing, opened for the first time today since the outbreak of the war. However, there are still large queues of trucks being detained and denied access at the crossing at Rafah. A delegation from the European Parliament visited the Rafa crossing today to see the situation for themselves. Irish MEP Barry Andrews was among them and I spoke to him a short time ago after his visit to the Rafa crossing and he told me what he saw there and why he was there. Uh, myself and three other uh, Renew Europe MEPs visited the Rafa crossing and al uh, to verify for our own eyes uh, the assistance that the EU is giving and the assistance that the EU uh, member states individually are providing, but also to see uh, what appears to be a very deliberate attempt to frustrate the humanitarian process uh, by the Israeli authorities. And that was uh, very, very clear to us. We saw hundreds and hundreds of trucks uh, lined up uh, going nowhere. And while we were there for one hour, only one truck passed through the Rafa crossing. And when you say it is a deliberate attempt by the Israeli authorities to frustrate the humanitarian process, what do you mean by that? 
Well, uh, there are a number of obstacles being put in the way of humanitarian access. And humanitarian access is the basic right of anybody in conflict to attain the basic essentials of life, food, fuel and medicines. And what we've seen is that the Israeli authorities are insisting that every truck is checked far away from the Rafah crossing. And if they find anything that is on their dual use list, uh, the truck has to go all the way back, which is about 150 kilometers to Al-Arish, uh, a town south of Rafa. Everything has to be offloaded and everything has to be reloaded and packed with the offending items uh, excluded. Uh, and just to give an example of what's on the Israeli dual use list, the Irish government provided family tents and the Israelis insisted that the tent poles would be taken out and packed separately. So it's just an example of uh, the absurd uh, categorization of items uh, by the Israeli authorities, which leads to uh, very, very long delays and unnecessary suffering. Barry, what kind of aid is is on those trucks? Well, I'm afraid it's everything, Justin. Um, food, obviously, we saw uh, trucks packed with food packs uh, for families. There's also what's called non-food items, which includes uh, tents, blankets. Uh, we also saw generators that are on the Israeli dual use list. They won't allow solar panels to go across. Uh, They won't allow oxygen cylinders, water purifiers, uh, but incubators have been donated by EU member states. Uh, We've also seen uh, various other medical supplies getting in. But one of the problems with the provision of medicines is that they require a cold chain and that can be interrupted when trucks are offloaded at Rafa and reloaded in order to get to distribution centers inside Gaza. Um, so it's it's really, uh, it's hard not to come to the conclusion that the Israeli authorities are using these obstacles in order to uh, inflict terrible suffering on the people of Gaza. And we've met, we met a lot of Palestinians in hospitals, one on a, a French uh, military uh, naval vessel with a field hospital where uh, the suffering we saw was just uh, very, very hard to to witness and very, very hard to describe. You are on one side of the border. On the other side of that border, um, there are are millions of Gazans. There are some Irish citizens there too um, who who are are hoping to cross the border and get to safety. Uh, But for the people of Gaza who are not getting that aid, uh, what news are you getting about the conditions that they are enduring? Well, I mean, we were at the border and we were told that when there are visitors, and we were the first parliamentary delegation to get to Rafa, uh, when there are visitors, um, the bombing ceases for a short while. Uh, The president of ICRC was at the border uh, a few days ago, and we were told that within 30 minutes of departure, the bombing resumed. And it's so obviously there's a reluctance in anybody to go across uh, unless agreement is reached uh, with, the Israeli, with the Israeli authorities. But we met one um, family um, and uh, the mother's name was Esma and she had a 14-year-old daughter uh, called Muna. And fo- unfortunately, Muna, Muna's leg was amputated as a result of a bombing. And this operation took place in Gaza. So she came out and she is on the uh, French uh, naval vessel on the, uh, in the field hospital and she had to undergo two further surgeries, uh, further amputations. And it was just very striking to see how 
she was smiling the whole time. I asked her mother why, how she still smiles and she said, they can't kill our smiles. And it really encapsulates the suffering, but also the resilience, uh, the mental toughness, uh, something that's very, very hard to comprehend, uh, but um, and, and very hard to uh, separate one's emotions from when, when, when you witness it. That was the Dublin MEP Barry Andrews speaking to me from the Rafa crossing earlier.